Sometimes I am possessed by the thoughts of killing him. I visualize every delicious moment of it. His expression of surprise as he recognizes my intention. The way his eyes evolve toward fear, and then, as doubt becomes expectation, into utter terror. The salty flavor of his tears, and then the slow bleeding of his awareness. The last moment of which is consumed with me and by me. I smile as I kiss him goodbye. The kiss is cold, as dead as the smile, tasting of bitter memories built on sweet but unfulfilled possibility. And then he dies, and I am free. This thought and the vision it paints consume me. I wonder when it is that thought becomes temptation, at what point sin is rendered mortal. After all that has happened, I should know by now. As I drive to meet him, I am reminded of these things, past and future suddenly inseparable, and I wonder which is the more damning to my soul. Then again, I haven't given my soul a second thought since he and I began. What a strange and funny time to yearn for grace. My lover has summoned me, and I must go to him. I go not to forgive or even to kill, but to listen. Closure does not discriminate between the betrayer and the betrayed. This I know because I am both, and the thirst for closure torments me from both sides of that judgment. I can't imagine why he wants to see me now, after the time that has passed, after what he did. A part of me continues to hope that his desire has smothered his pride, that he has discovered he cannot live without me after all. Ah, the eternal deceit of the fallen ego. Of course, there is always the chance that he simply wants one final taste of the fruit he has forever rendered forbidden. On that final night, when the music died, to borrow a phrase, I am sick as I drive to the place. Our place, it was. How fitting for this final dance. I've been sick now for months. Has it really been months? Perhaps tonight the book will at last be closed. A fucking apology would be nice, too. The more I think about it, the more I am sure that, for this thing to really end, to bring peace to all those who have suffered by our hands, one of us must die. I am unarmed, unprepared. Then again, a girl can always improvise, if she has to. Plano, Texas They were wrong about the chocolates. Her girlfriends claimed they'd done it. More than one book on the subject recommended it. She'd even heard Dr. Phil talk it up on Oprah. And God help us if you can't count on that. But bless their well-intended souls. They were all full of shit. When her boyfriend of two years decided he just wanted to be friends. An epiphany, he'd called it. Bernadette Kane had, in good faith, wolfed down two boxes of Godiva while watching back-to-back -back reruns of Friends. And now, here she was, enthusiastically throwing up, her perspective on love no brighter than before.
Then, just when things couldn't get any worse, the telephone rang. As anyone with a broken heart knows, the sudden ringing of a telephone can send bolts of white-hot adrenaline straight to an already traumatized stomach, as hope for an olive branch collides with the cold probability that he's calling to ask for his CDs back. This was Bernadette's prevailing line of thought, as she stared at the ringing telephone, saying the word hello out loud several times until she was satisfied with her tone of indifference.